0: You're listening to the regular podcast from Pete the Vet's blog. This was first broadcast on East Coast FM.
1: Right then, Pete Weatherburn, our vet is here. You're very welcome. Pete, thanks for coming in to us. Good morning, Declan. We were talking, by the way, last week we were talking about the influence of having a dog on people. Yes. Uh, Did you hear that science story during the week uh, that cats actually adopt the moods? of their owners, that if their owner is a happy person, the cat is happy, or if the owner is neurotic in some way, the cat will be
0: neurotic. Well, this is really interesting. Uh, um, our animals relate to us closely and they pick up our moods and they, yeah, they respond to us. I came across a really interesting trial uh, that was just published this morning, actually. Which I'll, I'll read you the title of the tial, trial because that kind of sums it up. It says how dog acquisition affects physical activity and psychosocial well-being. Okay, so in other words, how your dog affects your health, physical and mental health. Um, and what they found is really interesting. Um, uh, they've, they 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 found that. Um, Basically, especially when you're dealing with some of the sort of chronic physical and mental illnesses, that what they found was that dogs actually do make people more active, um, and also they make them engage more with other people. And that's a really important thing. So in the study, nearly half of the study participants saw large increases in physical activity. Not just a bit more, but large increases. Um, And nearly three quarters saw improvements in mood. Three-quarters of people... In better mood um, after fostering a dog for six weeks. It's as quick as that. So, this is a trial that was done with people who didn't have dogs at all and they g- let them foster a dog and they followed what happened when they fostered a dog. And th- so that's the big deal. Nearly three quarters had a significant improvements in mood and um, ha- nearly half of them had large increases in physical activity. If that's not a good advert for having a dog, I don't know what is.
1: Yeah, and you've got to look after it. Now, there's another question. Thank you for that, Pete. Mm. Um, but onto the a a question that is in many people's minds at the moment and that is what's going to happen with the United Kingdom on October 31st Uh, uh, and uh. into November 1st. What (laughs) happens with pets? There's the pet passport thing and all that. Is there a common travel area? Um, How will the transportation of animals be affected?
0: Do you know something? This is exceptionally complicated and it's actually changing day by day because as people probably Know up until up until now, what has happened is that um, once you get your, your dog microchipped, which it should be anyway, once you get it vaccinated against rabies, after three weeks, you can then get a pet passport and travel to and from the UK as you like. No restrictions, nothing else. That's all you need to do. But what will happen uh, at the end of October if? A deal is not done, then Britain will be treated like what they call a third country or an unlisted country. And what that means is that it's the equivalent of it being Venezuela or Sudan or something like that. So in other words, a country where there's no control of diseases like rabies and all sorts of other things. And because it's an unlisted third country what that means is there are very very strict regulations on bringing um dogs to and from it means free travel between the two countries for pets will not be possible um and just yesterday um the department of agriculture released um a new message on on what's going to happen and essentially um, what, what's going to happen is, first of all, if you're traveling with a pet from Ireland to the UK and returning to Ireland, I um, think what's going to happen is, again, you need to have um, microchip. Again, you need to have vaccination against rabies. Um, but this is the complicated bit you also have to have um, um, a health certificate every time you come and go. In other words, you have to go to a vet before you leave Ireland, you have to go to a vet before you leave the UK, and you have to get a health certificate which, which basically says that your your pet is healthy. Um, and as well as that, you have to have a blood test done. Oh my gosh. Yeah. The blood test, test
1: is Would this be to go to Newry, or is this only yeah, to
0: yeah. GB? <laughs> so yeah, If it's not going <laughs> to be enforced, is it? But... <laughs> so, if somebody lives in Dundalk <laughs> and goes up to Newry, it's old is palaver. That's crazy. Yes. It's yeah. mad. Isn't it? Um, uh, yeah, and the blood test has to be taken um, uh, a, a ba- at least a month before b- before you you travel. So it's kind of yeah. you know. Well, it's I make it even more bizarre for you. Okay,
1: mm-hmm. Lifford and. Traban—it's basically the same town with a bridge in the middle. One is Lifford, and one is Traban. So you're going out for your dock, For your walk, Lifford is pretty small. Traban is pretty big. So you're just walking across the bridge there. Oh, wait! Pet passport, please, <laughs> on the bridge. And where's your rabies? And where's your this, that, and the other? Mm,
0: yeah. Yes.
1: In, in theory, it'll never in happen, theory. of course. But well, I
0: have to say, what the UK has in, government has indicated is that they will not. Um, and they they won't change the rules for entry into the UK for some time after Brexit. So, in other words, it seems to me that the the British government is trying to fudge it, is trying to pretend that nothing's going to change, whereas the EU is saying, look, if it changes, then, you know, you kind of have to enforce the rules in life. That's why laws are there, is they kind of have to be enforced. Uh, To me, it's a bit ironic, because... Right through the whole EU saga from when the UK joined all those years ago, back in the early 70s, they've always sort of maintained that the Brits are the, 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 the rule obeyers. They're the ones that do things by the book. And all these continental lazy Europeans are just, they, they let things float and, and, and don't stick to the rules. And therefore, because of that, the British are getting the worst deal because they're such rule, rule obeyers. In actual fact, what's going to happen now is that the, the UK are kind of going to say, well, you know, these rules about <laughs> borders and so on, can we just not really worry about them too much? <laughs> yeah, well, don't forget your roots. Because we'll um, Scotland, I, I'm, Scotland, Scotland voted remain. Indeed, so Scotland, I mean, that's, I think, one of the really interesting aspects of all of this is that Scotland has strongly remained. In fact, I've said this before to you, when there was the independence referendum, most recently in Scotland. One of the main reasons why people voted not to separate from England... David Cameron said... David, he said, if you, if you, if you separate from England, you have to leave the EU. And so people said, Oh, we don't want to leave the EU, so we'll stay with England. And now look what's happened. <laughs> <laughs> Pete, thank you very much indeed. Thank you, that's <laughs> right. Pete
1: Weatherburn, our vet from Bray Vet, Old Connor in Bray. And Pete's website, featuring
0: all his broadcasts there, are on PeteTheVet.com. Thanks very much indeed, Pete. Thank, thank you. Thank you.